So if you have your Bible, please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. We're starting a new series called The Fork in the Road. We're going to be doing this up to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You'll see why as we read the text today. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Friends, listen. This is the word of Jesus. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is God's word. Every life is heading somewhere. Every life is going in a direction. It's heading somewhere. This is why Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. If we step back for just a second, God made the world so that people would experience life. Like not just being alive, but would experience real life. Life that is satisfying, life that is meaningful and significant. God wants us to experience him spiritually. He wants us to experience him socially as we relate and have relationships with each other. He wants us to experience him culturally in our workplaces. But the reality is that oftentimes we don't experience this kind of life. You know, so often in our lives we just feel stuck. It, life isn't satisfying, it's frustrating. It's not meaningful, it's pointless. Life isn't significant because so often we just feel useless. Jesus came to restore a sense of life to us. It's why he came. He even says it in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so Jesus came to restore life, to be the way that God intended. And the Sermon on the Mount, it shows us what this abundant life looks like. And so we've been walking through this all year long, actually. And now Jesus is hitting his conclusion. And the conclusion for Jesus is to put a fork in the road. Part of his teaching is to put a fork in the road. And this fork it gives us an opportunity to examine the direction of our lives. It calls us to stop and think, if my life is heading somewhere, where is it heading and why? Jesus wants us to experience God and that abundant life. But Jesus wants to let us know that we can make a decision about how our life is. That our decisions actually matter. And so if we can understand what Jesus' words meant in his day, it's going to help us understand what his words mean for us in our day. And so in this passage, Jesus uses these images of the gate and the way. There's two gates and two ways. And it's interesting because what Jesus is doing here, just to unpack the image, make sure we're all on the same page, because I actually was confused about this. Every, Every life, Jesus says, is a path or a way. 
Okay, every life is on a way. And Jesus is saying that at the end of the way, there's a gate. Okay? So every life is on a path or on a way, and at the end of that way, there is a gate. And so the fork in the road that Jesus is putting in our lives, the fork in the road that Jesus is drawing for us today, it leads to two different ways or paths, and the ways end at two different gates. And so we're just going to look at the wrong ways, and then we're going to look at Jesus' way. Okay, that's what we're going to do today. So first, let's look at the wrong ways. Jesus, first and foremost, was actually confronting the wrong ways of religion in his day. Okay? When Jesus was on the earth, there were many different flavors of being Jewish. Okay, lots of different kinds of Judaism. Not quite, but similar to the way that we think about denominations. There were different kinds of Judaism different interpretations of how to please God or how to experience this abundant life that God promises. And, and they're not actually that form, but we're going to look at it. I just want to list them off for you. These are the different kinds of Judaism. Um, first kind of Judaism was obey a hyper-strict moral code. Okay? These were the Pharisees that promoted this way. Um, second, compromise with the Roman oppressors. If you want to really experience happiness, if you want to really experience life, the problem is that we just keep acting like the goad in the side of, our, of the Romans. The Roman government was oppressive. Um, they were occupying uh, the, the nation of Israel. And, uh, and so there was a brand of Judaism that said, if you want to know life, if you want life to get better, then we just need to compromise with the Romans. Okay. Third, there was a group of folks. Oh, the Sadducees were the compromisers. They were the ones who wanted to compromise with the Romans. Um, third, there was a group that said, no, 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 not compromise. We need to overthrow the Roman oppressors. Okay, these were the zealots. And these folks literally wanted to take up the sword, build an army, and fight to overthrow the Roman government. Because they said, if we just fight and defeat the Romans, then we will be free and we will experience God's abundance. Okay, and so these were the zealots. And then fourth... There were folks that said, no, 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 we just need to separate from the world. Let's leave all of this. Let's get out of the city. Let's get out of the community. Let's go out into the desert. And we're going to form uh, these, basically these ceremonially, ritualistically pure communes um, out in the desert. And if we become super, super holy and super, super righteous through these rituals and these ceremonies that we do, then we'll experience God's abundant life. So these were the Essenes in Jesus' day. Different flavors of being Jewish. Now Jesus is saying that these four kinds of Judaism, these are actually different lanes on the easy way. Okay? He's saying these are different lanes on the easy way. And they're part of the easy way, not because it was necessarily easy to live up to these things. I mean, the hyper-strict moral code, you know, I know a lot of y'all have tried that. Um, That's not necessarily easy. But it's easy in that there were lots and lots of people who were following these pathways. Okay? These were well-known and well-populated types of Judaism. Okay? 
And so they're well trod. So if, if you think about the, the way, the wrong way, um, the way that's broad, uh, the way that's easy, these are four different lanes on that way, all moving. What Jesus is saying is the wrong way. And so the idea here is you've got these big groups of folks, and you can simply go with the flow. That's why it's easy. Because there's lots of people that are living on this path. They're going down this way. And you can just jump in and the current will carry you down. What Jesus is saying here is that each of these four ways, these ways lead to destruction. Okay, the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. Jesus says, look, you don't want to go with the flow because the flow will carry you to a wide gate that leads to destruction. And the image is interesting, right? You have this wide path. There's lots of people on it. You just get caught up with it and it carries you through this wide gate. You almost don't even have to stop at the gate. It just sort of flows you through and it leads to destruction. Now, destruction, it refers to final judgment, And Jesus is actually going to talk about this more in the verses to come, that there's coming a day when everybody will stand before the judgment seat. Destruction uh, can also be translated ruin. Because what Jesus is saying here, the, the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount, the purpose of Jesus coming is he's saying, look, the way that Judaism is going is wrong. The religion of Judaism has missed the mark. All these different ways of being Jewish, these are, none of them are going to get you where you need to go. They're all actually heading for destruction. Now, I think it's kind of interesting because I think with both of the ways, you know, both the, the, the easy way and the hard way, um, they actually don't just lead to a gate that leads to destruction, but it's like you can taste what the gate is going to be like on the way. So if you're going the wrong way, if you're heading to destruction, you're actually going to get a taste of the destruction that's in the future. Okay, now what do I mean by that? Well, from my sense, as I've thought through this, like obeying a hypostrict moral code, what this leads to is exhaustion. Exhaustion, Because if you are going to try to earn your way to heaven, the reality is you can never obey enough. That's just how it works. You can never obey enough, right? The, the code never ever gets strict enough because what happens is you develop a code, you begin to follow it, and you have a measure of happiness, a measure of assurance that comes because you're keeping the code. But then you begin to realize, wait a second, how do I know if I shouldn't be doing more? How do I know if I'm doing enough? And then the code gets more strict. Um, Or I feel like if there's these four lanes of Judaism that are going that Jesus is addressing, like this is the lane that seems to be getting faster and faster and faster and faster, right? Because you've got to do more and more and more. And it's like that treadmill. And so you feel exhaustion, but you also, you end up despairing. Because you think, like, wait a second, like, I can never, ever do enough. I can't pay for my sins. I can try to, like, 
you know, stack up more good deeds than bad deeds, but like this, there's a destruction that we begin to feel in that sense of despair because we just know we can't do enough. I think compromise, this is true for Jesus' day, but it's also true for us. This makes us feel dirty. Makes us feel dirty. Because even if life does get easier, right? If life does, in a sense, if we begin to like experience some of the blessings of compromising, because you know what, I'm just not going to worry about it anymore. I'm just not going to think about it anymore. And life gets easier. Well, the challenge is that you know that you're not being true to yourself. And so that begins a destruction that starts in our hearts and just grows out from there. Number three, overthrowing the Roman oppressors. This is violence. What this does is just, it produces a cycle. A cycle of vengeance. You know, if you're going to declare war, you're either going to die because you can't summon an army up that's strong enough to overthrow the Romans, or let's say you win. Ten times out of ten, the folks that overthrow end up becoming the oppressors. They become just like the oppressors. The folks who end up in power don't know how to use it, and all they know is a sword, and they end up using the sword back on their own people, Um, or the other side then musters up a bigger army, and it goes back and forth, and it creates this cycle of vengeance that produces destruction. I mean, in Jesus' day, this was lived out, both in terms of war between nations, but also in terms of hatred and revenge, which I think hits us. I mean, you know what that's like, right? When you hate someone, you hold on to hate, you don't let it go, you want to make them pay. Like, that destroys you from the inside out. And then the last thing, separate, you know, just separate from the world. Go be holy. Separate yourself and be super holy. Well, the challenge with that is purposelessness. You become purposeless. Purposeless. Because you end up irrelevant and unconnected to the people and the culture that God wants you to bless. Does that make sense? You you might be holy, you might be separate, but while you're out in the desert, or when you've separated yourself in your holy commune, God's actually in the city, loving and serving people. God is stooping down and washing feet. He's taking care of needs. And so he's not there. You've retreated, but God hasn't. God's rolling up his sleeves. He's present in the pain and the brokenness, um, in the defilement of the culture, trying to bring redemption. And so the destruction that you're there is that you're separating yourself from God and his purpose for you. And so what Jesus is saying here, he's saying to all of his disciples, he's saying to anybody that would hear him, look, every life is heading somewhere. And you have to know that there are some lives that are heading for destruction. Some lives are heading for destruction. These are the wrong ways. Well, so what's the answer? Well, let's look at that next. Let's look at Jesus' way. So second point. We've seen the wrong ways. What's Jesus' way? Well, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' way. First and foremost, this is why he's giving the Sermon on the Mount. 
so that everybody can know this is the way of Jesus. Okay, Jesus is giving his way in the Sermon on the Mount. This is his opinion, not only about how to be Jewish, but it's about how to be human. Okay, this doesn't just apply to the Jews, because again, God wasn't out to form a religion. God was about redeeming the world. God was about fixing the problems in the world. God was about saving people. Okay, not about religion, but about a way that would bring about renewal. And so this applies to everyone. Now, Jesus describes his way. What does he say? He says, the way, verse 14, the gate is narrow, the way is hard. The way is hard. I'm glad Jesus said this. Um, There are times where in our in our good desire to help people understand just how radical God's blessings are in our lives, that we can sometimes make Christianity sound like it's a spiritual Disneyland. You know, that if you just trust in Jesus, man, everything will get better. Everything will be fixed. You won't have a problem in the world or a care. You'll be healthy. You'll be wealthy. Man, everything will go your way. (laughs) Verse 14. The way is hard. Jesus' way is hard. And it's interesting because the way Jesus describes it being hard, some of you, some of you have learned that after a while, it's not so hard. Okay? Because what's Jesus' way? Well, Jesus says, Jesus says this is hard because there's a call to be honest. And humble. For some of us, that's really hard. Jesus says that his way is a way that is, it's, it expresses the desperate need that we all have that God would be at work in our lives. Right? There's a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, for God and for his ways. Jesus' way includes saying, I need God to forgive me. Jesus' way calls on both our actions and our hearts. So not just what we do, but how we think and feel. Jesus calls on, his way calls us in our public lives and also in our private lives. Right? This is just the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus' way means having a robust trust in God. Like a real sense that you trust God to take care of you so that you're not trying to take advantage of other people in your life. Jesus says, look, I know it's hard. This is hard. If you remember back months ago when we were toward the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, um, we talked about how there's a progression in terms of following Jesus where something goes from being new to becoming normal to becoming natural. This is one way to describe what it means to mature and to grow as a follower of Jesus. 
Jesus says, look, if this is new for you, it is going to be hard. If it's not new for you, it still is going to be hard. And the goal for us is to get to a place where our reactions um, become normal. You know, it's like riding a bike, where at first, the beginning, it's like we're teeter-totter. You know, it's like you're thinking about everything, and we want to get to a place where it becomes normal. Right? Where Jesus' way becomes normal, where our heart and our actions are the same. Where we're the same publicly and privately. We go from it being new to being normal to, God, please help us, to where it becomes natural. Like it's part of who we are. And this road, this way is hard. Just honestly, it is hard. Um, Not just because it's hard to get to that place, but I think Jesus is also telling his disciples, this isn't going to be a popular way. So to kind of mix with the metaphors, um, you know, we've been talking about this being like a fork in the road um, where you've got crowds streaming down this side that leads the wrong way. And then you've got just a, you know, this other road that's much harder, but just a few people are on it. I mean, sometimes it actually feels like we're going back upstream against the crowds. You know, we're trying to fight through to move against the, t- you know, the tide. And Jesus says, like, this isn't going to be popular. He says, if you do this, you're going to be ridiculed. You will be made fun of. You will have people who will make you suffer because you have chosen to walk down this road. He's just being honest. You're going to be misunderstood. And it's interesting because Jesus even says, this way is so hard. This way is so hard that out of the people who even begin down this road, few will make it to the end. Few make it to the end. It's interesting because as you keep reading, you find that Jesus begins to teach us about people who start down this road and then fall away. Right? The parable of the sower comes to mind. Right? People that receive the word, but then the enemy snatches it away from them. People who begin to follow Jesus, but then um, they have no depth of faith in him. There's no real sense of trusting in him. And so they get burned up. They, get, they, they, they fall away. You have others who, the cares of the world, the difficult, when life gets hard, they stop following because, man, the other way was so much easier. And so you see Jesus build on this verse as, even as he goes on in the Gospel of Matthew. What's interesting is that at the end of this way is a narrow gate. He says, for the gate is narrow. Um, and this is the point like, that Jesus wants us to get to. He wants us to think about this narrow gate. And we know this because verse 13 tells us, the very beginning of this whole, these two verses, this whole image of gates and ways, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. He says, my hope is that you will make it to that gate and you will enter it. He says, enter by the narrow gate. And it's interesting, this gate is narrow because um, in, in back in Jesus' day, in different cities, even in Jerusalem, you actually had different gates of the city 
Some were wide, and you had just streams of people that could come in with their carts, their animals, and then you had other gates that kind of narrowed things down to where you'd have to wait in line. Um, You couldn't actually get in with any of your stuff. And, uh, and it's interesting, because as, as I thought about that, you know, this narrow gate, it's, it's Jesus invites everyone. Because he says, enter the narrow gate. Like, this is something that anyone can do. Anyone can come in through the narrow gate. But this gate is so narrow that it calls you to leave your sin behind. Okay, so you think about baggage, <laughs> that you carry, baggage that I carry. You know, I think about, like, going through the airport with your rollers, you know, the, the, your rolling luggage, you know, and it's like, um, we just went to Texas a few weeks ago, and uh, just because I'm the dad, the way it actually happens is um, I've got a rolling suitcase with another suitcase on top that's, like, sort of drapped in. I can hold them both. I've got, like, a garment bag over this shoulder. I've got another roller here, and and I'm like, how did I get, like, come on, like, Nathan, Ryan, what are you guys carrying, you know? And, um, but that, I mean, this is kind of what ends up happening with us in life, right? We've got baggage, and, and sometimes the baggage isn't necessarily bad stuff, but sometimes it is. Sometimes it's our sin. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's concern about what other people think, right? And Jesus is saying, look, the gate that I need you to enter into is narrow. And at this gate, it's like a turnstile almost, And the only way that you can get through is if you let that stuff go. You've got to let it go. You've got to take it off so that you can enter the narrow gate. It's interesting. I think the gate is so narrow. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. Okay, We talk about leaving your sin behind to enter the gate. You don't have to be perfect. Jesus says, come as you are. But Jesus says that you can't come to me and still be committed to your sin. Right? Do you understand the difference there? There's there's a difference between struggling with sin and being committed to it. You know, Jesus says, if you want to come to me, the gate is narrow. That means you actually need to give up your sin. It means you have to stop loving your sin and stop being unwilling to hang on to it. This is why the call in the Bible is, if you want to know Jesus, you need to repent and believe. You've got to confess your sins and say, God, if you don't like this, then I am going to not like this too. It's a narrow gate. It's a narrow gate. Now, if you want to give up your sin, if you are committed to giving it up, then Jesus says, welcome. Welcome. I think a narrow gate reminds me again of that turnstile. Um, and then beyond, you know, that we have to like unencumber ourselves. Uh, but I also think about that as every single person has to make a decision to enter. So you can't be a follower of Jesus just because everybody else is doing it. Every person has to make a decision to get on that hard road and to go through the narrow gate. Nobody can do it for you. Even as we raise our children, 
You know, we raise them with a faith in Jesus. And we teach them to, to believe before they even know they have a choice in the matter. And so they grow up in the faith. And even with them, part of the training that we need to give them is to let them know that as they grow up, they continue to make that decision personally. Like their faith, they, they, be, they begin to own and embrace the faith that they're raised in. Right? They have to do that. Parents can't drag their kids in behind them. Okay? So as I think about this, you got a hard way and a narrow gate. Like, why would anybody want to go this way? Like, why would you choose this? It seems like in some ways, man, Jesus is shooting himself in the foot, right? If he wants to save the world and make sure everybody hears, like, this is the kind of stuff that becomes exclusionary. This is what infuriates people about Jesus, actually. You know, seriously? Few there be that find it? Jesus, what's up with that? Why do you do that? Why would anybody go this way? I think people would choose to go this way because, again, every life is heading somewhere. And this hard way, this narrow gate, it leads to life. It leads to life. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Man, that is abundant life. That is abundance. That is meaning, purpose, significance. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, like your life can have eternal significance. God gives you a purpose. That purpose is to know him and to spread his love. When you come Jesus' way, when you make a decision to get on the hard way, something amazing happens. The minute you step on, so here's the fork in the road, the minute that you step on to the hard way, Jesus meets you. Because he's not just standing at the gate. Jesus comes and meets you the moment that you step on to the hard way. And what does he do? He gives you forgiveness. Forgiveness. Man, the road is easy that leads to destruction, but the guilt upon that road is onerous. The road that leads to destruction, man, it feels easy, it looks easy, but what Jesus offers, it's amazing because on the one hand, he says it's hard, but what we saw in Matthew 11 and he says, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so when the way becomes too hard, and it will, Jesus says, look, I want you to come to me, and I will give you rest. As hard as it gets, as frustrating as it gets, as difficult, as challenging, as, like, pull out your hair Angrifying it is. Like Jesus says, if you come to me, I will give you rest. And so we stop on the hard way and we pray. Jesus, I need help. 
Jesus, I'm not strong enough. Jesus says, well, hey, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, the yoke, we talked about this a while ago, um, the yoke was what they used to put two different oxes together so that they could walk in the same path. And Jesus says, take my yoke. Come with me. I'm right next to you. I will be with you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so you choose this road not only because of where it leads, not only because of to whom it leads, but because Jesus meets us on the road and he gives you rest. And I hope that right now, right now, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how hard the way is, that you can hear Jesus and you can receive his rest. He says, you will find rest for your souls. This is why we take the hard road. The easy road, you're left to yourself. You're left to yourself. If it's not, if it gets hard there, not much you can do except maybe ask for help for somebody else that's on the road with you. But Jesus will meet you and give you rest. Forgiveness, assurance. He adopts you into his family. He changes your heart. He'll make you want to be on the way that's hard. And then he'll use you. He'll show you that through your life, he's blessing the people around you. So that not only will you be heading toward life, but you'll be reaching out and enabling other people to head down this road too. It's hard, but it's worth it. It's hard, but sometimes the hardness is exactly what we need to meet Jesus. Because sometimes we don't call out to him until it gets hard. And so this week, when it's hard, go to him. And find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we confess... We confess that so often, and it's hard, it is hard to follow you. We confess that there are times where we just give up because it's too hard. And we come to you now needing, needing to rest. We thank you that this is part of the purpose of our day that this day is a day that you have called us to rest. To rest and to re-experience you. Jesus, you know how hard it's been for so many that are in this room. Will you please draw near to them and help us to receive the rest that you've given us a rest that takes care of our sin, a rest that brings forgiveness and acceptance with you. Your resurrection means that there is new life. There are new possibilities. There are new ways that we have not yet experienced. New ways where you become an oasis on the hard road. 
Help us this week to come to you by ourselves and in community. Lord, when we can't find you on our own, help us to reach out to others, to brothers and sisters. Because sometimes it's others that need to carry us to you. And Lord, I pray for those who are on the wrong way. Father, you know who they are. I pray that you would help them to know who they are. Boy, the tragedy of so many people calling themselves Jewish in your day and yet being so far from you. And yet it happens today. Lord, I pray that you would put it on our hearts if we are not truly following you, if we're not on the hard way. I pray that you would help us to step on to your road following you. Help us to confess our sins and to trust in you. Amen.